Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and serve you and thank you for an incredible time of worship. We kneel at your throne and proclaim and exalt you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We want to worship you and serve you. So, Father, as we continue our time of worship now, as we study your word, I pray you would speak very clearly to us. I pray that you would set aside all the distractions of life, Father, all the things that hinder us from hearing and knowing. And I pray that we'd be able to focus on your truth, on your word that you've given us. And I pray through the power of the Spirit we could be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to step away this morning from our study in Genesis. We'll be back next week. But I wanted to step away from Genesis today because I wanted to think and talk about missions. Now, I hope when you came in, everybody received a little booklet. Did everybody get a booklet when they came in? Anybody not get a book? We've got a lot of extras. We've got quite a few down here. Who are our ushers? Guys, we've got some ready to go down here on the front. Some didn't get them in the back. I want everybody... Children, you can have one. We got enough. We, we got plenty of these, enough for everybody to have one. Some down here on the front, too. We're stepping away because I want to think about missions today. You take the book now. I've, I've been teaching long enough and set it aside. Don't look at it right now. There'll be time to look at it later, I promise. If not, I'll, I'll be preaching to this for the rest of the day. Set it now. We'll look at it in a few minutes, okay? I want to talk about missions for a couple of reasons. First, 2015 is winding down. 2015 is winding down. We need to be thinking about as we already are and, and preparing for and planning for 2016. But today, a couple of important things happen as far as the missions are concerned. First, we commissioned this morning our final mission team of 2015. At the end of the service, we're going to commission our final mission team of 2015. It's been an incredible year. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And then as we prepare and look forward to 2016, after the 11 o'clock service... If you've got interest in our spring break trips, there are four spring break trips, or Honduras, which is summer of next year. If you've been praying about, thinking about, considering any of those trips, you need to be in the fellowship hall after our 11 o'clock service, somewhere around noon. It'll be about a 10 or 15 minute meeting. It's not going to take long. But if you're thinking about, praying about it, we need you to be there to hear about what's going on. It gives us a better idea how to plan and how to prepare. You're not signing up to go. You're just thinking. You're just considering going on one of those trips, spring break, and then Honduras of next year. And so this morning, I want to think about missions, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with a real simple question. What are you doing? Are you complacent in your faith? Have you reached the point where you've kind of fallen into a rut, and you're kind of doing the things you've always done, and it's comfortable, and you're not being challenged anymore in your walk? I want to challenge you, 2016, what it's going to look like for you as far as the Lord working in your life. What's he calling you to do next year? And in order to think about that idea, I want to turn our attention this morning to Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, open to Philippians chapter 3. We're a long way from the book of Genesis now in our study this morning. We'll get back next week again. I've enjoyed our study. I'm looking forward to getting back into it next week. But this morning, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to focus on just a few verses, verses 12, 13, and 14. As you're finding Philippians, 
I want to remind you about the author Paul. Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Paul wrote a good portion of the New Testament. And Paul, if we were to kind of simplify his life before salvation, was a Christian killer. That's what he did. He took it upon himself and we think found great pleasure in murdering, torturing, destroying Christians. He put them in jail. He did everything he could to derail the Christian movement. He did everything he could to derail Christianity. He did everything he could to destroy the movement. And then, in an amazing turn of events on the road to Damascus, some of you know this story, this kind of interesting contrast took place. The Lord opened his eyes spiritually and he blinded him physically. And from that moment forward, everything changed for Paul. Paul turned his life around and made the decision instead of killing Christians, he wanted to try to reach people for Christ. But if you know the story of Paul, you understand that his life wasn't easy after salvation. In fact, if you were to begin to study the New Testament in his life, you would see that Paul encountered a lot of hardships, a lot of difficulties. He was beaten for his faith. He was stoned for his faith. He was shipwrecked, he was left for dead, he was imprisoned, he was eventually killed for his faith. But here's the thing you need to understand about Paul. In all the difficult situations, in all the difficult circumstances, all the things he went through, he was never deterred from preaching Christ. That ought to challenge every one of us. It challenges me. You think your life is difficult, it might be. You think you have challenges in your life? You very well may. But how often are we living our life for Christ? Are we deterred by the things of the world, keeping us from the path that the Lord's called us to walk? And so with that in mind, I want to examine these three verses written by the Apostle Paul of the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this, all the things of Christ he's spoken of earlier, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's truth number one. It was true for Paul. It's been true for the church throughout the centuries. It's absolutely true for us today and for Rosemont Baptist Church. Truth number one, building on the past, we must press ahead to the future. Building on the past, we must... Press ahead to the future. Look at the contrast between the end of verse 13 and the beginning of verse 14. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal. That's an interesting thing to be challenged by. Now, the Lord's done some great things here at Rosemont. Some of you have been with us for a number of years. Some of you have been here really from the beginning, 40 plus years And if you've been here for a long period of time, or even in the last few years, you'll know that the Lord has placed his hand upon this church and has blessed us in incredible ways. We've always seen growth at Rosemont, always. We've always seen baptisms at Rosemont. 
We've always seen salvations. In the, in the last few years, the Lord has just blessed us incredibly in our mission work. I want to give you some numbers. These floored me. I, I was not even aware of this until this week. 2013, Rosemont sent 78 people on international mission trips. 2014, we sent 95 people on international mission trips. This year, so far, we've sent 102 on international mission trips, and we haven't even finished with all of our teams yet. We've got one more to go. That does not include Alaska, by the way. The last two years, we've sent 50 people to Alaska. That doesn't include any local mission work. We have, we estimate, it's impossible to count because it happened all over our county and our area. We estimate we had about 300 people involved in Mission LaGrange this last summer. So we've seen incredible things happening in our church. The Lord has blessed us tremendously. We see incredible growth, salvations, mission work. But watch this, this is important. We should never allow the accomplishments of the past to hinder our progress in the future. Because here's the danger, we need to be very careful. The danger in successful churches or successful organizations for that matter is that people that have had great success in the past, if we're not careful, we kind of begin to think about those and we begin to focus on those. And we think so much about our past accomplishments that we fail to press ahead towards the future. Paul says we need to be careful. Of all that you've done, of all that you've accomplished, celebrate those things, be happy of those things, see the Lord's power, see the Lord's blessing, but don't let it stop you from reaching ahead in the future. You say, but Adam, we've done so many great things, why why can't we just take a little bit of a break? Why, Why can't we just sit back and enjoy? Why can't we just celebrate? Why do we have to keep pushing? Why do you have to keep talking about missions? Why do you keep pushing us ahead? Because there are still, of all the people we've reached, thousands that don't yet know. You understand that? Of all the people we've reached, of all the places we've been, of all the salvations and baptisms we've seen, there are literally thousands and thousands of people within driving distance of this church that aren't believers. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Worldwide, there are millions and millions and millions. And so we're going to look at what we've done. We're going to be excited about what we've accomplished. We're going to continue to push ahead. Why? Because there are many more that need to hear. But here's the difficult part. We understand the calling. We understand the scripture. We understand how we're supposed to move forward. We understand we're supposed to do things for Christ and continue to push and continue to go. But here's the problem with that whole model. The enemy, Satan, is going to do everything he can to stop us. Do you understand that? I'm always reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, when I think about the enemy. Here's what it says. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You understand that? The devil's not at rest. He's not relaxing. He's not passive. He's not just kind of watching from afar. The Bible says he is active and he's prowling around. He's looking around to devour somebody. Now, if you don't think that's real, you need to wake up to the truth of the gospel. See, the devil would like nothing more than to take a long-standing, successful church and destroy it with sin. 
The devil would like nothing more than to take a long-standing, faithful believer and destroy that person with sin. The devil would like nothing more than to take a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a, a leader in the church and destroy that person with sin. We need to guard ourselves against the enemy, being aware of where we've been, excited of the past, but always pushing ahead to the future to reach more and more people for Christ. You say, that's great. How do we do that? Look again at the scripture Paul tells us. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet that I've taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's truth number two. We must have a goal in mind, and work extremely hard to achieve it. If we're going to be successful in reaching more people, if we're going to be successful in moving ahead and pushing on and pressing on to the future, we need to have a goal in mind and work extremely hard to achieve it. Look again at verse 14. Pull that up for me if you would, please, Kevin. Paul gives us this very clear picture here in Philippians. I press on toward the goal. You see that? In other words, I don't just wander aimlessly. I don't just show up with no intentions. I don't have a plan. I don't have a goal. I just kind of wander around. Paul says, I'm pressing on toward the goal. So two questions come to mind. The first one, very simply, is what was Paul's goal? What's Paul talking about here? Now, Paul did some pretty incredible things. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. In fact, most of the books in the New Testament were written by Paul. Paul traveled all over Asia Minor sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was a leader in the early church. Other than Jesus, Paul is probably the most well-known man in history, certainly in the scriptures. But of all the things he accomplished, of all the things that he did, what was the goal of Paul? Well, I want to draw your attention just for a minute to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over. If not, I'm going to read it to you. We're not far from there in Philippians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Paul speaking. I want you to listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Here it is now, verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your flesh might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, I came to you very simply for one reason. Not with eloquence, not with wisdom, not by human standards that I say anything important to you, but I came to you for one simple reason. I wanted to preach Christ. That's what Paul says. Paul's goal, above all the things that he actually accomplished, was to tell people about Jesus. So that was the first question, what was Paul's goal? The second question ought to come from that, what should our goal be? If I went around and asked every single person in this room, what what is your goal personally for Christ? What should the goal of this church be? What kind of answers would I get? Well, there are all sorts of church goals we can set. Maybe we should set a goal for numerical growth. 
Maybe we should set a goal for getting more and more people to show up at our church. Maybe we should set a goal for larger buildings. Maybe we should set a goal for for more offering. Maybe we should try to make a name for ourselves so people in the community hear our name and know who we are. But I would say to you that none of those should be our goal. In fact, I think there's one clear goal we find in Paul's life. I think there's one clear goal that the Lord gives us as a church that we ought to be doing on a regular basis, and it's this. If we were to say there's one goal that our church has to accomplish is to reach people for Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to share his love and to share his message and to reach people and disciple people all over the world from across the street to across the nations. That's our goal. In fact, if you were to study scripture, you know this. I've said this enough, but God is a God of the nations. He wants to reach everybody. People that don't look like us, people that don't talk like us, people that don't eat the same sorts of food we eat. God died for them. Christ died for them just like he died for you. Christ has a plan for their life just like he's got a plan for your life. If you were to look through scripture, you'd find verses like 1 Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations. Psalm 67, 3 and 4, may may the peoples praise you, God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Psalm 86, 9 and 10, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. We could go on and on. I could spend hours Reading verses about our call to share Christ and to reach the world for him. But now, I'm going to step on your toes. Get ready. How many of us could quote these verses? How many of us could quote this truth? How many of us could talk over and over and over about our need to go and share and reach people for Christ while at the same time never doing anything about it? How many? I just think we ought to examine our hearts. Are we seriously going to say that we know God has called us to reach the nations? Are we seriously going to say we know God has called us to do something for his glory? Are we seriously going to say that our goal ought to be to tell the world about Christ while at the same time never do anything about it? How can we look ourselves in the mirror? How can we show up week after week after week understanding this is our very clear calling, but we're not doing anything about it? See, the interesting thing about Paul's life is he wasn't passive in what he said. you understand that? He didn't just say, I'm going to press on. He actually pressed on. He didn't just say, I'm going to forget what's behind. He just kind of put it behind him. He didn't say he just wanted to preach Christ. He actually preached Christ. And so I think it's important for every one of us to ask ourselves the question, if, if the calling is clear... If the scripture is clear, what are we actually doing about it? It may help in your mind right now to think of two or three tangible things. What have you actually done about it? Not what have you wanted to do about it. What are you thinking about doing? What do you hope to one day do? What are you doing right now? If I said, get out a note card, put your first and last name on it, and give me two or three tangible things you're doing to share your faith every day, what would it look like? Now, I want to encourage you. As I beat you over the head for a couple of minutes, I need to encourage you now. God's got a plan for you to do incredible things. 
If you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, Adam, I don't know. I couldn't name anything that I'm doing. I'm very passive in my faith. And start now doing something. God wants to use you in powerful ways. And so we've given you opportunities here at the church. One of the things we've tried to do is give you opportunities to, to grow in your walk, to grow in your faith, to, to, to lead people to Christ. And so we challenge you on a regular basis to be missional. I say that all the time. You should live your life as a missionary every moment of every day. You, you should show up to work tomorrow morning with this mindset. I've got a lot to do at work, yes, and I'm going to work as if pleasing the Lord. I'm going to give my absolute best to this job. But Lord, what do you want to accomplish through me today at work? How do you want to use me today at work? How do you want to speak through me, Lord, in my day-to-day life? How can I be a missionary for you every moment of every day? How can I disciple that younger believer, Lord? Who should I go to and say, listen, let's meet for lunch on a regular basis so I can kind of pour into you and talk to you about the things of Christ? What are we doing to reach people for Jesus Christ? What are we doing to live our lives for him? What are we doing to bring him honor and glory every moment of every day? So we've given you opportunities like short-term mission work. We've done a lot of incredible things. I, I gave you some of the stats. We got a lot of people that are doing mission. We got a lot of people that are going to continue to go do mission work. I want to continue to challenge you to go. I want to continue to challenge you to pray. In fact, let me just say it again. After church today, interest meeting. If you're interested next spring break, be praying about where the Lord's going to send you, what the Lord's going to do. We ought to be measuring our success as a church, not by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. You understand that? It's not just about the holy huddle. I mean, we, we do need to come together and talk, and we do need to come together and pray, and this is important. The, God, the Lord calls us to do these things, and we should worship, and we're going to continue to do that. But the point of this is so you can go out and do that. If you're just doing this, then you're, you're missing You're missing what the Lord's called us to do. So we tell you to live missionally. We give you short-term mission opportunities. We give you long-term mission opportunities. There are people in our midst, you may know this. There are people in our midst that are praying about long-term mission work. I've, I've had conversations with them. These are people that are in our church right now that say, you know, I think the Lord may be calling me one day to sell everything I own and move somewhere in the world and share Christ. Praise the Lord for that. I keep waiting for that first person because when that first person hits, I'm telling you, it's going to be like a flood. It's going to open up because the Lord's going to continue to call people and they're going to go and they're going to go and they're going to go. But one of the things we do as a church, this is very important. I want you to understand what happens here. We're going to continue to pray for people from this church to go long term. But one of the things we do as a church to be certain that there are always missionaries in the world sharing their faith is we give money to what's called the cooperative program. Now, I want to take the next couple minutes and educate you because this is important for you to understand. We're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, as so many of you already know. And every month, our church sends a portion of our tithes and offerings. We tithe like you do to the Southern Baptist Convention. So we send 90, I think last year we sent almost $95,000 to the quad. We just send it. We send them a check every month. This year, we're going to go well over 100000 if our giving keeps going like it is. And when we send that money to the Southern Baptist Convention, a portion of that goes to the International Mission Board. Now, I've got a really cool slide I want to show you. Pull it up if you would for me, Kevin. Now, it looks kind of complicated. I put it up because I want you to see it. Some people get things better visually than they do audibly. I want you to understand what the International Mission Board does. Your church giving, there's at the left on the green. 
We'll get to Lottie Moon in a second, but notice at the top, we give a portion, we send the money out, 50% of it stays in Georgia and goes to the Georgia Baptist Convention. 50% of it goes to the Southern Baptist Convention, the cooperative program, right? So we send about $95,000, about half of that stayed in Georgia for Georgia missions, about half of that went to the Southern Baptist Convention cooperative program. Of that, 49.59 and 50.41, you see the division. About half of it goes to Southern Baptist entities like the North American Mission Board, seminaries, ethics and religious liberty committees, executive committee, there's several other things. And about half of it goes to IMB. Now these are kind of big picture numbers. You can get online and they've got all their budgets and all their information and everything going on. Of the IMB budget, you can see how it goes out in the world. Basically, the IMB sends missionaries into the world. NAM, North American Mission Board, is planting churches. They're sending people here in North America. So a large portion, praise the Lord, of the money that we give goes towards mission work, both home and abroad. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to give. In fact, we want to give more money next year to the cooperative program. But I want to tell you just for a second, I take, draw your attention away from that back to me just for a second. Let me tell you what's going on right now with the International Mission Board. They've been sending out information the last several weeks because there's an issue they're dealing with, a shortfall in revenue. And I just want to read from the article. IMB, that's the International Mission Board. And by the way, the International Mission Board is the largest missions sending organization in the world. Did you know that? You should be proud to be a Southern Baptist because we send people all over the world. We send people all over North America. Largest sending in the world. But IMB projects, that's International Mission Board, will fall $21 million short of its current annual budget marking several consecutive years of budget shortfalls. Over the past six years, the organization's expenditures have totaled, now watch this, $210 million more than has been given to it. So the International Mission Board that's sending out missionaries all over the world over the last six years has spent just over $200 million more than they've gotten. Now praise the Lord, they've got a pretty large reserve that they can draw from. They've been selling property literally all over the world to try to make up for this budget, budget deficit. But they realize if they don't change something, they're going to go bankrupt. So here's the solution. IMB plans to reduce the number of field personnel, these are people serving in the field, by six to 800 over the next year. Let me tell you what that means. Let's just make this real simple for you. We send out now internationally about 4,800 missionaries, 4,800. We're going to reduce that number to somewhere just over 4,000. Now, here's what you need to understand. We should not be reducing missionaries. We should be increasing missionaries. In fact, if you look just at the growth numbers, the birth rate versus the death rate, just in, say, South Asia, where we're going next week, There are so many people being born there. The population is exploding. We can't keep up. Even if we were adding hundreds of missionaries, we couldn't keep up with that population growth. And so because churches, praise the Lord, not Rosemont, but because churches really all over the convention have not stepped up and given what they need to give, IMB is reducing their budget. They're saying, we don't have enough money to continue to send out these missionaries. We're going to go from 4,800 to 4,200, maybe somewhere around 4,000. You say, what what do we do? Give us some things we can do. I'm going to give you some very simple things you do. Number one, you ought to be praying. If we know that God is a God of the nations, we ought to be praying for the lost. 
We ought to be praying that God would raise up individuals, that God would raise up churches, that God would provide the funds so we can continue to send missionaries full-time all around the world. You need to be praying. Here's the second thing we're going to continue to do and you need to be thinking about. We're going to continue to go ourselves. Because as full-time missionaries decrease, right, that workload is going to have to be taken on by the short-term trips that go. One of the beautiful things about the partnership we've built in South Asia is we now know the missionaries, but now we know the local church partners as well. So even if the missionaries aren't there, even if the missionaries have to be called home because of budgets, even if the missionaries are kicked out of their country because their country doesn't want them to share Christ, even if there are no long-term missionaries in that country, short-term trips can continue to go. Isn't that cool? All of us that have gone or are going have got 10-year visas. That means for the next 10 years, even if our missionaries come out, we can continue to send teams. So we're going to continue to build partnerships. We're going to continue to go. We're going to continue to have these short-term trips. And here's the third thing I want to challenge you with that we can actually do today and over the next several weeks. We can give to support these missionaries. Now, here's what this looks like for our church. Take a look at our chart again. We give money at the top that goes to the cooperative program and to the IMB and the North American Mission Board. I talked about that just a second ago. But the bottom half of that chart is the Lottie Moon Mission Offering. Now, many of you are familiar with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It happens every Christmas. Every penny, 100% of the money that you give to Lottie Moon goes overseas. So when you give to the church through your tithes and offerings, we give a portion to the convention, a portion goes to the SBC, a portion goes to IMB, right? It kind of gets whittled down. But when you give the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, 100% of what you give goes to support international mission work somewhere in the world, Right? Every penny you give helps keep a missionary on the field. Now, the last several years, we've given about $18,000. In fact, last year we gave $18,500, and we've kind of ramped that up, and I've been really proud of our church. We've given a little more each year, a little more each year. But because of the tremendous shortfall of the International Mission Board this year, we've decided to do something a little radical. We're going to do something different. Now, for the past several years, we've taken up a Rosemont mission offering. About this time of year, it's the fall. We ask you to give money towards Rosemont trips. And you've been very generous. That money has gone to, to build supplies, to build houses, to buy things for these different people all over the world. Because of the shortfall of the International Mission Board this year, we're going to not take up a Rosemont mission offering in the fall. And what we're going to do instead is we're going to tell you every penny that you would have given to the Rosemont Mission Offering, I want you instead to give it to Lottie Moon. I want to take every penny we would have given and I instead want to give that to Lottie Moon. You say, that's great, man. I can get behind that. I can support that. We've given 18000 the last couple of years. That's fantastic. Maybe this year we can give twenty. Maybe we can give twenty-two or 23000 right? Well, here's where the little book comes in. You have permission to take it out. Go ahead and take it out. Open it to the front page. This is a cool book. You ought to take it home and read it. It just highlights Lottie Moon and the gifts and what the gifts are looking for. Front cover on the left where it says send missionaries. Everybody with me? See, if I were in class, I'd call somebody to read out loud to make sure you're on the right page. But I'm not going to do that here. I'll just trust that you're there. Salary and housing, top left. Global average per missionary. See that? 141 per day, 988 per week. 4,283 per month, 
51400 per year. You know what we're going to do? We're going to raise $51,400. That's exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to send every penny we can raise to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to the International Mission Board. And our church is going to stand up and say, there may not be anybody else willing to do this, but we will. There may not be any other church that's willing to sacrifice and give, but we will. There may not be any other church that's going to almost triple their Lottie Moon Christmas offering to send a missionary into the field, but we're going to. And may it be said of Rosemont Baptist Church, if there ever comes, I pray this never happens, if there ever comes a moment that this church dies, as so many others have before us, if there ever comes a moment that this church dies, may we give our last breath and our last penny to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with my heard. May we give everything we have so people can hear the name of Christ. Because if we're not doing that, we may as well just go ahead and shut down now. If we're not willing to do that, we may as well go ahead and close the doors now because it's not worth having a church if we're not going to share the name of Christ. And so here's what this means for you personally. I want you to be in prayer about giving generously to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I want you to sacrifice a little bit. There's a missionary somewhere on the field that's already sacrificed more than you can ever imagine. We can sacrifice a little bit at Christmas. You can give a little bit more than you gave last year. You can give a lot more than you gave last year. You can begin to give now all the way up until Christmas. We're going to raise $51,400 to share with a missionary somewhere in the world so the name of Jesus Christ can be shared. You say, I don't know, Adam. It's a, that's a pretty big goal. That's a lot of money. You think we can really do it? How are we going to accomplish such a great goal of telling all these people about Jesus Christ. Here's where truth number three comes in. We're going to end up with this. Number three. Our victory comes only through Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says again in verse 14. I press on toward the goal, right? He sets a goal and then he presses forward to win the prize for which God has called, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus We are never going to accomplish this goal if we don't keep our eyes focused on Christ. You understand that? We've used the example of Peter walking on water several times. God comes, Jesus comes walking by and tells Peter to jump out of the boat. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he, he starts walking towards Christ. But then the Bible says, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? You know why Peter failed and why so many other believers fail and so many churches fail? We take our eyes off Christ. We take our eyes off the goal. We take our eyes off the prize. We take our eyes off the calling. And so I want to challenge you over the next few months and into next year, I want you to focus on Christ. I want you to keep your eyes fixed on him and his calling. And because of that and because of who he is, I want to accomplish great things in this church. And I want to tell every single person that will listen exactly who Jesus is for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we serve you and we trust you. 
And we're not afraid to give our money to you, Lord, because you can use it way better than we can. Father, we're not afraid to trust you because you're more powerful than we can ever imagine. Lord, we're not afraid to follow you because you know where you're going and we don't. And so I pray you would take this truth that we've learned this morning, the example of Paul, the example of setting aside what's behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. Father, I pray that we would run with excitement into the next year and missions and sharing Christ and discipling others. And I pray that between now and Christmas, Father, we would take very seriously the calling of sending missionaries into the world. We would realize, Father, that there are millions of people, millions of people, Lord, that don't yet know the name of Jesus Christ. Those aren't simply numbers. Those are human beings. That if we don't do something, Lord, they're going to die and spend eternity separated from you. Father, you've given us the resources You've given us the knowledge. You've given us the ability. You've given us the call. There's nothing left but to be obedient. There's nothing left but to be obedient. So, Father, you give us the courage and the strength to do what we know we've got to do. To do what we know we're called to do. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and across the world, Father, and help us to give generously over these next many weeks so that your name can be proclaimed around the world and you can receive the honor and the glory due to you and to you alone. We love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to give you a couple of minutes. Maybe you want to pray at the altar about your role, about your calling. Maybe you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you want to join the church. But this is your time to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.